What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of the But I Heard About It podcast is brought to you by Recycled Food. Eat recycled food. It's good for the environment and better for you. Welcome back to But I Heard About It, the show that combines first impressions with nostalgia and I feel like I need to do the rest of this podcast <laughs> in this voice <laughs> as the entire performance of every single character in this movie is in this hushed monotone. Sorry to fly off the handle like that. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and Murph is here with Charlie in lap. That'll change, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, Charlie, any last words, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> if only. There's still some sections of carpet not vomited on yet. Yeah, oh, those are the parts that are peed on. Oh, oh Charlie. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, hey, buddy. And hey, there's more than just us here this time after we were talking about <laughs> 90s comedy. Welcome back, Brian. Is you doing the compliant, Judge? <laughs> and of course, someone suggested that we should do this show without her. And we said, no. Hey, Natalie. <laughs> hey, and I'll say don't fuck with the Mama clan. <laughs> and, uh, and we've got, uh, oh, go. uh, may, may I take the lead? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got another another voice joining us on the podcast this week because I felt like I needed some backup from somebody who <laughs> knew Judge Dredd a bit more than I do. Uh, please welcome our guest host, Ty the Sega Guy. Ty, welcome. <laughs> Hello there. And remember that Mama is not the law. I am the law. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You're gonna fit. You're gonna fit in well here. <laughs> you're gonna be right on, right on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And this was Brian's pick in episode number fifty something. I have no idea what the one <laughs> me and Murph did on American Pie was, Th but I'm sure this is one of them. <laughs> this would be fifty six then. All um, right. Mm -hmm. So my pick for for this week was uh, Dread 
from 2012, not Judge Dredd from the 1990s, although we all, I think, have kind of a fondness for that film as a camp classic in its own right. Yeah. But no, this is the one from 2012, uh, the reboot starring uh, Carl Urban, Olivia Thirlby, and, and others. Yeah, it was definitely a movie. <laughs> great, uh, great timing on y'all's part because uh, this movie turns uh, 10 next month. Yes, it does. Yeah. Ooh. We have a history of doing unintentional great timings with things. <laughs> <laughs> At least just, this yeah. wasn't somebody dying. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, we no. know of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, Chadwick Boseman. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. You told me about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, brief summary of this film before we dive into the full review. I have to say first, I love Judge Dredd. Okay. That movie. Right on. It, for the, right on. For, for the wrong reasons, but it's fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they're for the right reasons. Um, <laughs> so the, the summary for this film, uh, in the far future, America has become an irradiated wasteland. Become? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. More explicitly as such, yes. Yeah. Uh, so in the ruins of what once was the United States lies Mega City One, a vast dystopian megapolis riddled with violence and bloodshed that stretches from Boston to Washington, D.C., with the streets being plagued by criminals of all stripes. Mega stripes. Mega blocks. Uh, the only force of order remaining in the city is the judges, which is a group of law enforcement officials belonging to the Justice Department who act as literal judge, jury and executioner for any criminal unlucky enough to encounter one. This film revolves around a day in the life of Judge Joseph Dredd, who is a decorated veteran judge, and Cassandra Anderson, who is a rookie judge uh, with a genetic mutation that gives her powerful psychic abilities. Uh, Anderson gets assigned to Dredd for a final evaluation, and the two respond to a triple murder at a 200-story apartment slum called Peach Trees, where they stumble upon the creators of the city's latest drug scourge. Uh, in response, uh, the drug lord, Madeline Mama Madrigal, and her ruthless clan trap everyone inside, uh, prepared to protect her empire at all costs. Uh, the judges are then forced to fight their way up the tower to Mama because there can be only one law in Mega City One. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you, thank you, whoever was the troper who wrote that down because that's just mm, poetry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we open the film proper with some uh, drone flyover shots of the city blocks and of the ruined desert landscape beyond the main city's walls, while Carl Urban gives us the introduction. Uh, in the voice of the titular character. America is an irradiated wasteland, or America, as he pronounces it. Uh, your accent is slipping <laughs> a little bit there, Carl. Yeah, I mean, he also slips in a little city for city, but it's okay. I like Carl, and I am, I'm a sucker for a post-apocalyptic setting, so I'm, I'm yes. okay right now with this. Yeah. And right the, on. only, the only civilization in this space we're concerning ourselves with is Mega City One, a massive urban sprawl covering the entirety of the space between Boston and Washington, D.C. Uh, racked by crime and so taken over by warring gangs, the police have been upgraded to be literal judges, juries, and executioners all in one. I did not realize we were watching a documentary about the Minneapolis Police Department. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of my first notes I had was just too real. <laughs> yeah. This is why I can't watch SWAT anymore. And that used to be one of my favorite stupid cop movies. Um, <clears throat> the introduction is interspersed with shots of Carl Urban as the titular character as he suits up for the day. And there are two things that stand out to me about this sequence. Uh, the first is the costume design. 
while it's not comics accurate, nor is it as flashy as what Giorgio Armani put together for Sly Stallone in the 90s, uh, it speaks to a much more solid functionality that I think fits in with this grittier imagining of the city. And uh, the second thing, oh my God, this soundtrack. Yes, oh, indeed. it yep. fucking yeah. rips. Paul Leonard Morgan put together this amazing just industrial electronic composition, and it just gets my blood pumping at every opportunity, and we see it here first and foremost. This is uh, only uh, the only scene we actually see Dredd without his helmet in the entire film, but uh, shadows kind of cover his face because that's the one rule is you do not see Joseph Dredd's face. He is the law. He is the faceless <laughs> manifestation of justice and that's even a written rule at 2080 comics is that you cannot show dread's face <laughs> we were we were talking about this uh, a little bit before the record ty you mentioned there's, there's a reason that um uh alex garland who's the writer of this script mm -hmm. writer actually has more of a, a claim to the director's credit than pete travis because yes. of that because of that argument so yes, um, it, it 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 wasn't revealed when the the film first came out, but uh, years later, a lot of people, including uh, Urban himself, came out and said that Garland was probably more of the acting director for this film than uh, Pete Travis was. Apparently, Pete Travis, there were days where he wouldn't even show up to set, uh, and there were a lot of uh, very contentious choices that he had, such as let's show Dred's face, which had already been done in the Sly Stallone version, but. Of course, you ask any fan of the comic and they'll be like, "Ugh, don't do that, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, apparently Garland did kind of take up active directing duties on certain days of this production and he just never got credited for it. So this guy's it's a dark world. Tommy was, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those sad. It's one of those sad rules of Hollywood that still exists where you, you pay all the money for the lead actor. Obviously, you want to shoot the money. Mm hmm. Thank goodness both actor and producer uh, kind of were on board at the same time. Oh, yeah. Urban is a self-professed Judge Dredd fan. Like, he grew up with the comics. He is very respectful to the source material. So I think he was also like, no, I'm not I'm not taking the helmet off, you know. Mm -hmm. Again, the fact that we have this one shot, you only see the back of his head, but nothing else. And then, of course, he puts the helmet on and he doesn't take it off for the rest of the film. So good on them for that. <laughs> Carl, Carl Urban is definitely a, a geek one of us in many mm -hmm. ways. Anyway, uh, so now he's suited up and ready for the day. Uh, Dredd takes to the streets on his motorcycle. Also reminiscent of our lovely city, the way he is a weaving around vehicles, regardless of lanes. <laughs> <laughs> As he drives along, the police comms fill us in with an endless number of incidents in progress. Uh, Dredd himself settles on a case of reckless driving. And then we can cross reckless driving off of our broadcast <laughs> bingo card. <because> <laughs> everything has a car it's everything it's blues brothers yes <laughs> it really is um three suspects are identified and from what we can see of the inside of the van the three suspects are getting lit up on some kind of vaporized drug from an inhaler and everything seems groovy and slow mm -hmm. okay so at the time i put unnecessary slow motion and i correct <laughs> myself later but i will say this <laughs> The first recommended movie that came up during the credits was 300. So I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yes. No, this is plot relevant slow motion. And, and yes. let me let me just say, uh, I saw this movie in 3D. <laughs> uh, I saw it in 3D when it came out. And while yeah, that's what I was going to say as I looked it up and was like, oh, hmm. And Sorry, I think we just I think we just lost your feed. Really? Yeah. Uh, are you still oh. plugged in? I can't hear you for 
this. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. And so there you are. There okay. You I think I think it's like the wire was in a weird. I don't know. But anywho, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry about. That. Uh, uh, again I saw this in theaters uh, in 3D and while most of the 3D is by the numbers very average doesn't do anything special uh, those specific uh, slow motion scenes look fantastic in 3D and uh, considering that 3D uh, TVs are not really a thing anymore or at least not a popular thing anymore I lament the fact that a lot of people have not seen this film without (laughs) seeing the the slow-mo scenes uh, in 3D because they're just fantastic so I believe it. They were they looked really cool even without the 3D. So once I read that and saw, oh, it was originally in 3D because sometimes with the 3D movies, you can tell it's like a really obvious thing like, oh, whoa, one stupid effect that is coming toward us. But (laughs) that would be really cool to see. We do not need to talk about the masterpiece that is Jaws 3D (laughs) in this podcast. You just have one contrived thing where someone hands a, like a flyer to the person who's supposed to be the camera view. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, God, it it doesn't work in yeah. It's not the 3D TV, but even this is like the the visual effect you get with the slow mo is what high def is built for. This, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The contrast cranked up past twenty two. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But the, the mooks realize that Dread is on their tail, at which point uh, one of them pulls out a machine gun and starts firing. So Control asks if Dread needs backup. No. <laughs> uh, the chase winds off of the highway and onto the ground level streets. And in their panic, the driver of the van misses sight of a kid in headphones stepping off the curb. A quick hit and the dude is sent rolling, clearly dead before he hits the pavement. And there's a note of them calling him an innocent. Yep. So, Perp, so Perp's yeah. just wiped out an innocent. Yep. Yep. And this is the one thing that gets Dread truly into serious mode. Mm-hmm. He was in silly mode before. <laughs> Just goofing around. It's more, like, <laughs> it's more like in standby mode, you know? Yeah. He's got he's got two functions, like all action or just waiting for all action, pretty much. And so Dread unloads on the van with the machine guns in the front of his bike and bike and sends the van rolling. Okay. The good old lawmaster. <laughs> yep. So law enforcement with this kind of power is supposed to be a futuristic power fantasy, right? Because right now I'm struggling to see the distinction between reality. <laughs> it's it's much like uh, the comments you see now about um, people wanting to put combat veterans in the roles of like teachers in schools to fill in the teacher gap. And people are pointing out, it's like, you know, combat veterans as teachers is exactly what we're supposed to see in Starship Troopers as part of the downfall of that society. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you ain't supposed to like it. I mean, no. it's cool. It's, it's, one of those, it's rad as hell. I'll put it that way. It's rad as hell, but you ain't supposed to like it. <laughs> right. Um, but two of the three men in the van now are either dead or unconscious, but the sound of gunfire nearby alerts dread that the third has taken shelter in a nearby mall. How did he survive that? <laughs> yeah, survive and and run off. And I hope that that big chonk and Furby from Mitchell's versus Machines is there to just take him down. Because yeah. how, how do you do that? Uh, let the the dark harvest will begin, just not from the just not from that particular source. <laughs> uh, but Dread moves through the mall, all business, as he calls out additional commands into his communicator, and he finally confronts the dude with his gun pointed at a young food court worker's throat. Uh, so Dread offers him a deal: uh, surrender, and he'll get life in an ISO cube without parole. Otherwise, the sentence is death. So I, I know I'm going to say this a lot, but once again, we lived through we lived in Minneapolis in 2020. The idea of law enforcement executing people on the spot, being the protagonist, 
I really struggled to get into the film for that specific reason. <laughs> yeah, I had to do a lot of distancing from reality to get to this, and it took a lot of effort, and I was not always successful. I feel like it's a little bit easier in this, the idea that this is supposed to be a speculative fiction or, or, or outright outlandish fantasy, but no, I've, I, I, I am sympathetic to that plight. And that's the, again, part of the, the satire of the, the piece as a, as a whole is you're, you, the action is supposed to be cool, but you're not supposed to like this mm-hmm. as it were. Uh, but the perp seems unwilling to cooperate so Dredd takes him out with a hot shot round from his lawgiver pistol, which is a napalm-like shot that burns the dude's skull from the inside out. Yeah, it's so and, cool. And th- this movie uh, certainly doesn't hold back. Nope. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Uh, but with this resolved, Dredd is now called back to the Hall of Justice because the chief has a special assignment for him. Yeah, but not before we are uh, given a shot of the janitor sweeping up bodies of the innocents killed during the mall shootout, uh, which kind of shows, you know, how uh, how bleak but a little bit humorous this all is, because you even hear the intercom going like that the mall will reopen in five minutes. And (laughs) this is very much in line with the comics where it's like, hey, life sucks in this city, but uh, it ain't going to stop, you know, consumerism. So exactly right. Mm-hmm. and borderline satire uh, yeah. i will say though the mall of america staff has gotten much more efficient lately <laughs> i will say this also for this film it puts something in the 1994 film in context that i wasn't familiar with familiar with when uh, the droid is talking about recycled food and you hear dread in this movie call out bodies for recycle and you realize mm-hmm. oh okay Oh, uh, soil and green is the entire soil and green. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, it's so bleak. <laughs> it's so terribly bleak. Uh, so oh with this, God. with this scene uh, concluded, I want to point out that this is all establishment exposition in a ten-minute action sequence at the very front of this movie, and this is so brilliant. I just have to give credit to the filmmakers' great work all around for making it this efficient and precise. Absolutely. Um, so from there, we cut to an interrogation room in the Hall of Justice, uh, where a blonde Olivia Thurlby is smiling at a small, well-loved family photo. And her hair is very cute, and I can easily picture what she would look like as a comic <laughs> character. God, Olivia Thurlby is just cute as a button in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's a really weird contrast with everything that goes on around her. Yes. But she will kick your ass. <laughs> yes, she will. Like Los Locos. Los Locos kick your ass. Los Locos kick your face. <laughs> she can deal you psychic damage as well so <laughs> absolutely so dread is outside the room with the chief and who explains just who this person is this is cassandra anderson she is a borderline academy case who has just barely failed her test to become a judge uh dread is not impressed with this he asks why is she in uniform if she failed and so anderson is asked to demonstrate her special talents gosh Almir is speaking in even more of a monotone than usual like i know he's supposed <laughs> to be but Everyone is speaking in that loud whisper and it's making me struggle to care. It's just one of those it's one of those sad things where kind of everybody in the movie is a consummate professional. I yeah. guess, Either- but there's no contrast. That's why I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassandra is a psychic, which is means she's technically a mutant by Mega City One standards, but her raw power and potential has caused the judges' council to overlook her status. As is stated outright, the judges are losing the war for the city. 
So question, because I, I have no background knowledge of, of any of this. So is this like the same universe as the mutants from X-Men type of thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering that too, because when they use the term mutant, it has different implications of, in the Marvel universe, but I looked it up and it was DC. Oh. And so I don't know how mutants are viewed in the DC universe. So... Uh, do, do Brian, go for it. Go yeah, for it okay. um, That's why I got you here. So, um, no, it's not. Uh, so DC did do some non-canon dread comics in the nineties, uh, kind of as like a brand synergy thing with the Stallone film. Uh, but, uh, dread is actually owned by 2080, which is owned by rebellion developments. Uh, they are a UK anthology, uh, magazine series that has pretty much been doing sci-fi and fantasy, uh, comics since the seventies, actually the very same year. And I think even the same month that star Wars came came out um but uh mutants in this world are kind of like you know because there was a big war caused nuclear fallout you you know uh a character even mentions it later in the film like you know hey most of y'all have a bunch of arms and you know stuff growing out of you Mm -hmm. um but uh, cassandra is one of those rare instances where she looks normal but now she has kind of an unlocked mental ability Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the same universe as a total recall or fallout when it comes to like what a mutant is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So dread is given his task for uh, this movie, which is take Anderson out on live assessment and see if she's truly able to make the grade as a judge. So we cut to Anderson and dread now heading down to the motor pool as dread lays out the parameters of this exercise. First and foremost, telling us all that one in five rookie judges don't survive their first day of duty. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he's also mentions there's a chance you might have to execute someone on day one of the job. Yep. So, I mean, those one in five odds sound right. If anything, a bit low, like it's going to get nasty. Oh, there. yeah. Think about this. If you were at any job that had a 20 percent fatality rate on the first day of your assignment. <laughs> oof. I would say no. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, any any mistake in sentencing a perp, any any disobeying of a direct order or if any time she has her weapon taken away from her, it's an automatic failure. So Anderson gives her assent and her assessment begins. Someone show an emotion, please. No, in the future, emotion has been replaced by gun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Anderson says it herself when she's kind of like psychically assessing dreads is like anger and control and then something else beyond the control. They're kind of hinting at Dredd's origins, which we can talk about later. But yeah, there's there's a lot to that. Uh, also, in regards to the whole like one in five judges don't, you know, survive their first day or whatever. Um, in the comics context, most judges are orphans or wards of the state mm-hmm. that they are inducted into the justice program. Like they don't have a choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really something that most people actually like voluntarily go into so we've got we got uh child soldiers added to the mix of uncomfortable topics pretty much yeah okay the the chief actually does talk about this so when she says anderson lost her parents to residual fallout Mm -hmm. cancer she was brought in for the judge aptitude test as part of standard procedure exactly yeah did you bring this up and actually this is a a nice callback to the the 94 movie because um when gets involved in that first block war what happens the rookie gets killed Yep. Yep. Mm. The same thing. Uh, We cut from these two to a long overhead shot of one of the many mega block buildings the city has to offer. This one optimistically named peach trees along the sides (laughs) in bright neon. Such a peachy place. (laughs) (laughs) 
Welcome to Paradise Hills. Prepare to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> we go to the top floor of the building where we see a woman who's surrounded by guards, and she's admiring the, the effect of the slow motion drug that she's indulging while making pretty patterns in her bathwater. That at least makes sense why we're getting epic slow motion spots of the nothing. <laughs> yeah, the colors are so bright. Where can I get some of this stuff? Where can you, uh, right here, it turns out. Uh, nice. <laughs> we'll, the, the, we'll, this part with the 3D, again, is probably the best part of the slow-mo in 3D. Like, it's just a very beautiful shot. Just so. watching the droplets come out of the screen? A- absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this, as we'll learn in a bit, is Mama, who is played by Lena Headey in this movie. The scene is also kind of punctuated once again by uh, Paul Leonard Morgan's score. Uh, he uses a technique that he kind of dubbed Paul stretching, which <laughs> is to drag out the uh, part of a song and then create something new and ethereal. I actually believe he stated in later interviews that uh, one or two of the songs that he stretches to create these very haunting but beautiful slow-mo scenes uh, was a Justin Bieber song. What? <laughs> yeah. And you can't even tell like oh my god that's how yeah. good that's how good it is that is, real, yeah, that is that, actually really cool that paul is so stretched can't even tell what it is <laughs> oh yeah um there's a soft-spoken man in the corner who will learn his name caleb uh who in- interrupts her that there's a problem and she's introduced to three men beaten up and restrained uh, that are presented to her they're rival drug dealers that are selling on her clan's turf and then Cersei once again shows her expertise of looking out a window of a tall building to survey, survey the chaos taking place below her. <laughs> <laughs> she, she learned her role well. Uh, Mama wants to make an example of them. So she orders, have them skinned and thrown over the balcony. One of her lackeys uh, named Kay, who's played in this movie by Wood Harris. And I'm trying to place where I've seen him before. And was he in Remember the Titans? Yes, he was. He was. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. And then, <laughs> and also The Wire? I think so. Yeah, he plays. He so. plays. He plays Julius in Remember the Titans. Okay. And I know Julius, him also, yeah. I know him also as um, the boxing trainer in Apollo Creed's gym in the Creed series of movies. Is he okay? Yep. I still have not seen those. Oh God. Okay, so I know what we're watching next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck those movies are good. Yeah. Um, Kay suggests hit them with a little bit of slow mo first to make the fall seem even longer, and we get a nice long POV shot of exactly that. Three bodies pitched over the side of a 200-story tall rail to fall and splatter into the atrium below. Let the bodies hit the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And that that poor woman just walking her kid in a stroller and almost getting got by falling bodies. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Welcome to Mega City One. I'm not sure if it's meant to evoke 9-11 imagery, but it did. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Uh, the camera zooms out from the, the splatter below as the police code goes off for a triple homicide. And here we get a fun sense of exactly what kind of state the city is in as the camera keeps zooming out, showing hundreds of red dot calls all across the sector. And the main map is almost completely crimson. Uh, back in front of the Hall of Justice, Dredd explains more of the details to Anderson. There are approximately 17,000 violent crimes reported every single day in the city. And with the amount of judges that they have on call, they can respond to about 6% of all of them. That's a little over a thousand. I did some <laughs> maths. You're welcome. Yay. Yeah. I'm proud of you, Murph. <laughs> so since she's on assessment, Dredd has Anderson make the call and they take peach trees. Uh, the two of them head up to the block. 
We get another sense of exactly what kind of world this is as we see a group of kids playing on a skateboard half pipe located approximately 70 stories up on the side of the building with, you know, no safety rails of any kind. Um, <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, there's a stark contrast of the level of violence that's normalized to the shot of these kids still just being <laughs> kids fucking around in a skate park. It was a bit of a gut punch. I know. Yeah. I know. Where's my uh, where's my Tony Hawk's per skater uh, soundtrack during? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, it would be so. It would be such an amazing. We we have that pulsing bit in the background that more that industrial trance kind of music. I don't know. I think it might have been too much of a culture shock if all of a sudden you heard like the Offspring kick up. <laughs> Or some pop punk. I don't know. Um, I got a story about that because I just went to Hershey Park and they gave one of the rides a facelift that is exactly out of Tony Hawk. Uh, oh, wow. I'll get to that at the end. Anyway, uh, on the walk up to the front door, Dredd quizzes Anderson about her knowledge of peach trees. And again, this this framework of Anderson being on a practical test is a really, really efficient way of disguising a textbook exposition being fed to the audience. And I really like it. Um, we learn from Anderson that peach trees has a registered population of 75,000 people with an unemployment rate of 96% and more than half the block classified as a slum. And, and like, it's, it's shocking, but I was kind of like, well, sometimes it feels like we're on the way there. Mm-hmm. And as usual, law enforcement is fucking around in the areas of the underprivileged and desperate. I mean, those two words pretty much describe all of Mega City One. If I'm if I'm being honest, yeah, being correct, absolutely. <laughs> but, if, but if that's the case, why did they need to point this one out specifically? <laughs> uh, because it's just a fact about the block. Okay, they're just there. It's just Anderson from the block. <laughs> <laughs> Andy from the block. <laughs> oh man. Um, Ty, about Meg- about Mega City One, that unemployment rating is it? Are robots a big factor in the in the comic books? Yes. Yes, so, absolutely. So is this like a, an automation comment? It could be. Um, it, from my understanding is uh, 
it's it, it's also a combination of people be uh, like choosing to be unemployed because oh. you have to you have to remember that the comic started in the 70s where there was a lot of like uh, workers' rights strikes yes. and so on, and okay. uh, so it's so it's a combination of like there's too many people in in uh, a, a condensed area at once, but also again, yeah, robots doing jobs, but also people who just not choosing to do jobs, but then also non-sustainable jobs. Or if you want to be a judge, you get paid well, but you're probably going to die. So <laughs> okay. Um, Dredd stops Anderson to point uh, out a vagrant at the main gate and asks for a judgment. Vagrancy, she says, is punishable by three weeks in the ISO queues, but the homicides are more important. So Dredd gives the guy a warning to not be there when they come back out. Very little is deemed innocent in the world of Judge Dredd. And it's it's another example of, I guess, why even the satirical character is better off than the actual people he's satirizing, because Dredd is nothing but, if not tough, but fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is one of those examples. The guy gets a chance to walk away as you, as you continue, you will learn later in the film yeah. uh, for certain things. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Dread, Dread. He's, he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's the best chance you've got in this city. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know my real world question of why is someone being a vagrant in such a corrupt, broken world, their fault, but <laughs> that's just me, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's fair. The, the word I actually saw, um, uh, there's a lot of discussion on TV tropes about dread as a character, mostly from mm. this film and tough, but fair is one of those other things, but also I would say proportional is another word that's used to describe him a lot. He always responds properly in proportion to the events. And in some cases he even shows restraint. Like mm-hmm. in the opening chase, the guys are shooting a gun at him. He doesn't react until they 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 kill an innocent pedestrian. Right, yeah. and 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 even in that sense, you know, they're already, um, you know, attempted murder on a judge is instant either execution or life in the ISO cubes, depending on you know whether they survive the bout or not. He could, you know, he has every ch- uh, you know, due cause to like fire back and just you know sentence right there. But yeah, you're right. He does restrain himself until someone actually gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, this is also kind of punctuated in the comics at times. Uh, there's one where he's like, he's talking about, you know, you have uh, citizens, you know, striking against the hall of justice because, you know, a lot of people feel that they're unfair, but also the, you know, dread himself kind of comes along and says like, listen, you know, this is the system we have right now. I don't, <laughs> I, I myself don't always agree with it either, but I will continue to uh, dole out the law as it is written. And at the end of the day, who's going to be down here on the streets helping you, your elected representative or me, you know? <laughs> um, it gets brought up a couple of times, but they don't actually go into it. Ty, what are the ISO cubes? ISO cubes are pretty much just prison cells, uh, but they're a lot smaller. They're very Spartan, like more so than even like modern day prisons nowadays. Um, you know, the Aspen penal colony, which is, <laughs> yes, yes, which is pretty like the biggest, uh, you know, uh, penitentiary, you know, area in this universe, not counting uh, Luna Max or Titan, which is on the moon of Titan. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The justice system even uh, reaches out. <laughs> far into our uh, into our uh, solar system in the comics um mm. but uh that, that's pretty much what they are they don't show them a lot in the comics at least not often but i know in uh the uh the ps2 original xbox era game uh, dread versus death uh, there's a whole uh riot level and it, again they're just like 
block by block stacked on top of each other just spartan cubes that like there's no bars but there's like heavily you know tempered glass okay you know, so like everyone can see each other but like you're just pretty much looking out at everyone else who's you know fucked along with you so you're, you're in a fishbowl yeah pretty much yeah. it's yeah. like that, the that's... pods in mitchell's versus the machine it is yeah. exactly that it, yeah. yeah that's exactly the correct <laughs> yes and i love i love that movie by the way that's so. we... That's my we, visual. We, Love it. We reviewed that movie and we had a blast doing it. Uh, it's it's oh, a good one. Yeah. So good. <laughs> okay. So uh, Dredd and Anderson on road to the scene converse some more about why Anderson wants to be a judge. And she admits that what she wants to do is make a difference. And she notes that she grew up in a place like the peach tree mm-hmm. block. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dredd is a little incredulous, but still lets her speak her mind about the subject while they make contact contact with the on-scene medic and reach the cordoned off crime scene. And sweet Jesus, those cracked skulls. <laughs> mm, yummy. Oh. This is a very literal visual of the term smithereens. I mean, yeah, a 2,000 foot drop head first onto a tiled floor is not going to, is going to do some fascinating things to the human body. Well, and they took <laughs> the skin off, didn't they? Yeah, the, the movie yes. earns its rating. Holy shit. Um, while the citizens around them all take pictures of the dead bodies on their phones, um, <laughs> another great visual. Uh, the judges learn what they can about the corpses. They learn that two of them are registered to peach trees, but the third is still a mystery. Uh, Dread peels open the mouth of one of the bodies and recognizes the burn of a slow-mo inhaler. Uh, the medic fills Anderson in. It's a new drug that makes the brain feel like time is moving at one one hundredth its normal speed and is making big waves all across the city. And who knew that the Inception sequel would be so cynical? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Control sends the data on the three men to Dredd's wrist computer. Uh, They're small-time perps, drug addicts with no known gang affiliation. He asks Anderson for a judgment. She determines that this was a punishment killing meant to send a message. And the medic chimes in with a name, the Mama Clan. And we learn that we don't fuck with the Mama Clan. Nope. nope. She's like the lady lady of pain. You don't fuck with the lady of pain. Mama Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. (laughs) (laughs) Wu-Tang's for the children. Yeah. Mama is not for the children. (laughs) No, 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 absolutely. No, no. Uh, The judges are up on level 25 now, and the medic pulls up Mama's file. Madeline Madrigal, a former prostitute who took over the business interests of her former pimp by, according to legend, biting off the dude's penis. That tracks is something Cersei would do. <laughs> yeah. There used to be three gangs holed up in peach trees before Mama showed up, took over the top floor, and worked the whole way down from floors 200 to 1 in about nine months. And her trademark, as he says, is violence. And how? <laughs> okay, can you really claim that that is a trademark when violence seems to be everywhere. Like, how about you leave a banana peel at the scene of your crime? <laughs> now we're talking about a trademark. She starts using all little Mario Kart uh, <laughs> turtle shells, banana peels. And- yes. What's your what, What's your assessment, rookie? Well, either Donkey Kong was here, or we're messing with the Mama Clan. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a pedestrian accident to me, Bill. <laughs> it must have been going at quite a clip. Um, the whole thing is. <laughs> thank, thank you. I did it for you. Thank you. Uh, the whole thing is played out to a montage of Mama's greatest hits in flashback, providing the punctuation on the whole story. And uh, how'd she do it without anyone noticing? Well, there hasn't been a judge in Peach Trees, Peach Trees in a long time until right now. I find that hard to believe. 
I bought it more when they chose the location based on the statistics. But again, I live in a city where they do this shit constantly and usually just for drugs. So I may not be the audience for this movie. Um, there's a, there's a, a lot of blink and you'll miss it kind of moments in those opening shots of the main screens at the, the, uh, hall of justice control center, uh, in universe at this point in time, the judges are spread extremely thin. I think at one point I haven't found it myself, but I've, I've seen screen caps of it. There's a code for a riot in one of the other sectors going on that judge Hershey is all by herself handling. Judge Hershey's a badass. <laughs> there's a reason why she becomes chief justice later in the comics. One riot, one judge. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I threw in Hershey's name also for a name we recognize from the '94 movie. Yeah, but she's she's a great character overall, uh, especially in the comics. Uh, she's like like Anderson in the comics. She's one of those uh, those characters who kind of reminds you know Dread that he he is human at times and mm-hmm. he needs to realize that. So mm. very cool. Yeah, uh, Dread looks at the log for the level where the victims were registered and asks Anderson what the next one should be. She says, "Find where the clan operate and hit hit it hard." So the medic pulls up the schematic of level 39 and shows the judges the corner apartment in question. And we fade from that hologram in on two teenage kids moving down that block to the clan's den where some really, really great trance music is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Kay welcomes the kids in and provides them each with a slow-mo inhaler, which they happily make use of. I, I love the shots of the inhalers. They almost look like lava lamps. I know. It's yeah. a design. Uh, while the party's going on, uh, Dredd and Anderson take position outside the door, and uh, Dredd asks if this is Anderson's first time in real combat, and notes that she left her helmet behind on the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says a helmet can interfere with her psychic abilities, and Dredd just shrugs. A bullet will interfere with them pretty good, too. Yeah. Root laws suck, bro. Hashtag Sturgis 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a donor. <laughs> Ooh, nice callback. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even wear her helmet in the comics really either but i mean that's also to help differentiate her character design from every other faceless judge on the street so yeah mm. she's got a face a name and a personality absolutely <laughs> uh dread plants a breaching <clears throat> charge on the door and notes anderson's nerves uh he just tells her flat out you don't look ready it's just adrenaline and it's time to go to work uh dread blasts the door open and comes in gun drawn and we get some amazing visuals of exactly what large concussive force and several high-powered bullets actually do to a human body mm-hmm. in glorious slow motion. And the bodies go f- fluffy, ragdoll, smushy. <laughs> yeah, the the slow-mo as this visual theme for the drugs and the violence, it, it's making an impact. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But in moments, the whole thing's over, and uh, Dredd asks Anderson for her judgment. And she reads out loud, uh, two years in the cubes for possession and distribution of narcotics. We get a nice humor moment here as Dredd just kind of tells her gently, don't tell me, tell control. <laughs> so she, and she repeats the order into the communicator. R- rookie mistakes. It, it's all going to get easier from here. <laughs> the war on drugs continues to go exceedingly well. <laughs> well, it's time to get everyone cuffed, and they use zip ties match. Uh, Anderson spots a Mama Clan brand on Kay's neck. She scans him with her psychic ability and sees that he was one of the ones behind the murder of the three men in the atrium. Yeah, and so I wasn't really ready to see a body being flayed, um, but at this moment I was extra happy that the kids are at their <laughs> dad's house while I was watching this one. Uh, no shit. I did warn you this was a bone cruncher. Yeah, th- this was not a, a Newell Bros movie. Yep, yep. You know? <laughs> 
So Dred Dred asks if she's sure, and she replies, 99%. And here, again, we get the contrast of the satire of the character with what he's meant to be satirizing, because Dred just says straight up, can't execute a perp on 99%. He even dryly remarks uh, that it would save him some paperwork if Kay just (laughs) confesses right there. (laughs) Although it's optimistic of 2012 to think that cops won't execute people who use drugs without with any certainty whatsoever. (laughs) I know. Again, why is he why is he an idealistic figure? Um, it's him, Robocop, Sam Vimes. I feel like all the three of these characters will be good pen pals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, I just, I just said that line. Um, the satirical send up is far more reasonable than what it's satirizing anymore. Yeah. And this would have been much different to view back when it came out, probably. Oh, and God. Yeah. So I can't shut off those types of thoughts, but I'm trying and it is very fun to watch. God, how much things have gotten worse in the 10 years since this movie's premiere. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Anyway, Kay just stays silent, so Dredd takes him in for interrogation at the Sector House. We then cut to some sort of surveillance room where a redheaded guy. Dom Hall Gleason, who I recognize from so many things, but yep. he looks here like he's running on too little sleep and too much slow-mo or something. I don't yep. know, but dual wreck. Dual Gleason with cyber eyes, uh, cybernetic eyes. He scans through the security feeds. Uh, I think he's credited as his name's never spoken, but he's credited as Clan Techie. Yes. Okay. Um, but he calls into Mama and Caleb that judges are here. And is apparently watching Snuffbox because I can hear the theme. <laughs> that made me very happy. I think that's the only song he's got on repeat in this whole movie. Yeah, every um, like, yeah, it just made me happy. <laughs> he really likes that song. Yeah. Uh, Mama is not happy about this, but Caleb thinks there's a chance Kay won't, won't talk. No, says Mama. If they're taking him in for interrogation, he will talk. Uh, what is there for her to do? Why take over the whole building? So she sends Caleb and some other uh, uh, of her dudes. They move down to secure the block's control room and plug in a router so Techie can patch in from his computer upstairs. Techie then calls sector control and advises them that they're going to do a DEFCON systems test for the whole block. Basically, putting the building into a mode designed to defend against incoming nuclear attack and cutting them off from all emergency responses. At what point does this become a fictional story again? (laughs) I just like there's awful screeching and blurring alarms and red lights and all these reinforced doors shuttering and the audio that's playing is just all levels remain calm. Like, yeah, it's very calm, very calming. And <laughs> I also love that faked moment of <clears throat> worker solidarity that the techie pulls <laughs> on the operator to get clearance on this God special damn mode. It, sector. I put it in the file myself three <laughs> fucking times. Yeah, yeah like that's real. trees. thanks sector you saved my ass you're welcome peach trees (laughs) Uh, but dread and anderson come out just in time for the blast door to come slamming down right on top of the homeless man he should have moved he should have moved yeah (laughs) he he was warned you were warned yep warned you get up yep uh and at that point mama comes onto the pa she wants the judges dead and will keep the block locked down until she gets what she wants Everyone else, stay out of the corridors until the shooting stops. So the judges have entered the worst escape room ever. (laughs) (laughs) In many ways, in so many ways. Oh, wow. Uh, Dredd and Anderson head up the stairs, and Dredd tries to call into control, but the comms are down due to the building's shielding. So they think they'll head to the med center for a more fortified position. There's the sounds of running footsteps and gang members shouting orders heard from above, so Dredd 
goes turns to Anderson to call the play. She's still on assessment after all. I mean, this is this is the worst first day of work ever. Oh, I can yeah. think of I can think of one worse outcome, and that would be if she actually ended up dead. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. I don't know. Training day was pretty bad. Oh God, <laughs> that was a pretty bad first day at work. <laughs> I have never seen that, so this this is my current. Oh, yeah. oh God, if you have, if you have the problems with with uh, reconciling ACAB with this movie, who we are not watching Training yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> but good movie, but very like bleak in its own right and yeah if if you think anderson's got it bad you're gonna feel bad for uh, i think it was ethan hawk in that film ethan hawk yep god i love ethan hawk he's great yeah anywho um yeah so with the terrain anderson suggests gas grenades so her and dread both don respirators and throw gas i love this they turn to k you might want to hold your breath <laughs> uh they throw gas and they mow down their assailants on their way up the levels at this point, even though I'm horrified at everything I'm seeing, I'm grooving to these sick beats. <laughs> this this would be what what I think I've heard Cecil call getting shit done music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we see Dread do most of the shooting while Anderson is escorting Kay and the two of them make their way up to level 25. People with this kind of efficiency can only cover 6% of the crime. I'm finding this harder and harder to believe. It's all about scale. Um, although I do, again, uh, talking about things that are rad as hell, I do dig how the judges are presented as essentially one person SWAT teams in their own right. Yeah. With, with everything like the lawgivers, but also Dred's got gadgets. <laughs> He's got the tech. Yeah. Yes, he does. Um, there are about a dozen men guarding the med center when the two arrive. So Dred stealthily rolls a stun grenade out into their midst and uh, demands over loudspeaker that they stand down. When they don't, Dread activates the flashbang, and he and Anderson open fire on all of them. One poor soul isn't quite dead, and while still gripping his gun, starts begging Anderson for his life. Uh, Dread warns her that his crime is attempted murder of a judge, which is a death sentence, and Anderson blankly agrees and caps the poor fool in the face. And then we just hear the sound of her breathing. So you can actually feel the gravity of it for her, this first execution. Absolutely. I was also wondering with her psychic connection capabilities, does she feel them die? Like, what does that feel like? We see this later. We we actually see some of this later. And yes, she does. Yeah. Uh, All is quiet at the moment. So dread buzzes the medic to be led into the center, but he's denied. Uh, The medic says that his facility is neutral ground, which just pisses dread off because he's not neutral. He's clearly choosing sides, but the medic is adamant. The building is sealed off, no one is coming in, and every single member of the Mama Clan is out hunting them down. Okay, every time I hear Mama Clan, I picture Mom from Futurama having a bunch of gangsters (laughs) surrounding her. I can't help it. Oh, God, I want that movie now. Okay, but only if we get a cameo from Clancy Brown greeting her with Mom. Oh, God, that movie's coming up later. That's going to be my next pick, probably, is that movie. Yes, please. <laughs> it's not as it's it, it, I, I, I love that joke, by the way, but it, it, <laughs> it's not as far fetched. You think like there there are just villains in the comics that just have outlandish names. So Mama's pretty standard and actually possibly more normal than you'd, you'd think, actually. Oh, I hate to put you on the spot, but he can give us a good example. Mean Machine. Uh <laughs> you dropped out again I don't know, some with this this connection like the 
the, the wire yeah okay so um yeah just continue like we'll come back okay we'll come back to that all right yeah. we're gonna try well, to... i try to fix it up Wait. there you go okay there we go sorry folks <laughs> modern we're, technology we're running on a very uh uh makeshift uh setup right now so you're good. good thank you yep, sorry moving right. on um yeah as far as the medic is concerned the two of them are already dead uh so dread advises that anderson Anderson and him need to go covert and conserve their ammo for the fight ahead. Anderson asks about Kay, who they're still dragging around because he could be a liability, but Dredd counters that he's also the prime suspect of a triple homicide. What do you say, rookie? Want to cut him loose? Uh, Anderson just says no, and they move on into the residential corridors of the level. Uh, Anderson and Dredd hear more clan bearing down on them, so Anderson tries a desperate tactic, psychically reading through the nearest door and asking the resident, Kathy, to let them inside. Cops asking to come inside someone's house instead of swatting them. Adorable, supposedly gritty future. <laughs> well, Kathy does, and the judges quickly secure the door while the gang soldiers walk by. Uh, there's a problem. They can't restrain her since there's a baby in the next room. And and I appreciate the humanity, especially from Anderson, as comes up a lot in the film, just not restraining Kathy because they don't know when she'll get free because mm-hmm. you know, taking care of a baby. And that's also why they don't just bust down the door, because one of Mama's threats is uh, anyone helping the judges, I will kill them in the next generation of their family. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, again, yeah, much more humanity from the satirical figures of law enforcement than from actual law enforcement. Once again, just start a tally, kids. We'll we'll get that counter up. Um, They get Kathy to swear that she won't betray them since the father of her child is out among the gang members hunting them. So she points them to a service elevator at the end of the corridor. It's sparked out of order, but works if you hit a level above 75. That's an interesting mechanical quirk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've seen some dodgy machines that kind of work like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dread takes Kay with him. And as Anderson leaves, she notices the family photo on the nearby dresser. And oh, dear. Kathy's baby's daddy is the same mook that she summarily executed out in front of the clinic. Uh, she turns back as though to apologize, but Kathy just cuts her off before she can say anything and tells her to leave. Uh, that scene made me care, but more about the people forced into this kind of desperation and not the ones trying to stop them. Sure. This scene does a great job of showing just the kind of, uh, you know, life Anderson is getting into, which is the life of a judge. You know, it's not uh, it's not great. Um, and there are sacrifices that need to be made to be part of the the, the profession. Yeah. And you're just looking at Anderson wondering how she's processing it and it doesn't seem to be sitting well or at least it's sinking in hard because it's rough it's just one of those things where I, I kind of appreciate that the the movie does not propagandize in universe about being a judge you know there's no there's no sort of like the the few the proud the marines moments yeah. uh for your for your street judges they're just kind of they, ex- they exist to both be respected and feared in equal measure. And even inside, you kind of get this from Anderson's change in perspectives like, oh, shit, what exactly am I signing up for here? Mm. Um, but our leads have a quiet moment in the elevators. They keep going up the block. And Anderson casually just reads Kay's mind. And there's some back and forth about that. I think this this is technically foreshadowing because one of the things she says is he's thinking about going for your gun. He just, and just like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> he just changed his mind. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Old stony face dread. <laughs> Interesting. Um, 
Back in Mama's office, uh, Caleb is giving her the news about how fast their empire is growing, and soon they'll be looking to move into two other sectors. But Techie comes in to give Ma the bad news about the judge hunt, and they review all of the carnage in the stairwells and all over level 25. More than 30 clan soldiers uh, killed so far and not a scratch on the judges. Uh, He finds them on the surveillance system on level 76 and is ordered to seal them in. So Anderson, Kay, and Dredd suddenly find themselves with heavy steel security grates slamming down on either side of the corridor all around them. Oh, that CGI cage almost totally hit me there. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mama says if they can't do it neat, they'll do it messy. And she calls Caleb down to prepare something. Yeah, someone's about to get flayed. Or get they dick bitted all while the pleasant snuff box theme is still playing where Techie is. I think it's just he's trying to he's trying to live in just this endless serenity now person. Yeah. You see, you see, I because one of the other things he's making is little little hand sculptures of copper wire on his desk. Yeah. Personal therapy. Yeah. yeah. So Dredd and Anderson review their situation. Uh, They need welding gear to cut through the bars, and they haven't noticed any clan members coming after their position. Uh, Dredd is concerned about this, so he orders Anderson to take defensive positions by the elevator while he scouts ahead and offers her one piece of advice before he goes. Uh, If she's taken hostage, she might want to save a bullet for herself. We could have the ending of the mist here, Anderson. Do you want the ending of the mist? I don't. Oh, jeez. I actually went back and watched that recently. Condolences. Oh, oh no. I understood that reference. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, Dread Dread starts moving through the quadrant past panicking civilians that are frantically barricading their doors. Uh, Meanwhile, Kay starts trying to taunt Anderson about the last pretty girl the clan got their hands on and then starts teasing her about being a mutant and a psychic, playing the what am I thinking now game. And of course, it was sexual and violent. Yes, exactly. And uh, after something unseen meant to unnerve Anderson, he gets punched in the side of the head for his trouble. Of all the things that they will show and tell in this movie very graphically, that's where they draw the line? (laughs) Nothing is scarier. I guess like they let us imagine it. So it's on us. Thanks. But we learn a little more about mutants here when this is where he says that most mutants have three arms or no arms. Yeah. Pretty much every mutant is like Kuwatu from Total Recall. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dread approaches the balcony and finally sees what has all of the civilians so panicked. Mama and her men have assembled three massive rotary cannons directly across the level from where the judges are bunkered down, which you can only say, oh, shit. Um, he hightails it back through the corridors as we see the bullets shred through wood, metal, concrete, rebar, and any unfortunate people that happen to be in the way, which is most of them. Yeah, there are no longer 75,000 people living in the peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really made Swiss cheese out of that. And the news headlines, I'm sure, will read Peachtree's employment rate up by default because lots of people died. (laughs) Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Uh, And and here we we see kind of confirmation. Anderson does hear the screaming terror of uh, the dying civilians through her psychic senses. And uh, elsewhere in the computer room, poor techies watching all the security feeds winking out one by one and clearly in distress. Well, the guns emote more than any of the actors. So that's a choice, (laughs) at least. (laughs) I call him Sparky because he goes, bark, bark. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. You're, wel- you're welcome, Ty. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, the judges are pinned down now by the elevator shaft and a wayward round takes out part of the exterior wall and shows a beam of light from outside. Dredd sees this and calls up a high explosive round from his pistol and which blasts a hole through the wall and gives them a way out. And to be honest, I assumed the entire film was just going to take place inside the building. And I, you know, I may be speaking too soon here, but yeah, because for the most part, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the three of them fall for a bit and manage to land safely one story below on the skate park where we see nighttime has fallen at this point and most of the kids likewise got locked out of the building. But at least their comms are working again. Uh, Dread calls in a 1024, which is judges under fire, but uh, tells Control that he can't hold his position until backup arrives. Uh, Control advises that backup is on their way. They should do their best to stay alive. Uh, so Dread has to get back inside the building. Dang. Don't die. Bye. <laughs> Pretty much. Good luck. Copy that. Just stay alive. Yeah. Odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Caleb and some of his fellow soldiers go picking through the rotary cannon rubble. And for a change, they play things smart because he tells his men that the judges aren't dead until they find them dead or parts of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, this doesn't make the crew any more observant as Dread manages to sneak up on all of them, dispatch the entire squad, and runs Caleb off of the balcony to the atrium floor, 76 stories below, just for good measure. All while Mama watches from across the way, growing ever more frustrated. Oh, Ty, you good? It's cutting out again. No, I can, we can still hear you. You can hear me? Yeah. Because I couldn't hear you. Oh. Weird. Uh, anywho. Uh, an execution scene that is uh, a bit too brutal by the comic standards, but oh, so satisfying. I think this mm-hmm. might be actually my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how violent the source material actually was um, compared to this. Usually mostly just like, you know, your average like comic gun violence. Uh, you know, uh, there are there are you know believe it or not, you know, because it's it's satirical, but like, you know, practices and standards amongst judges, you know, uh, you're, you're in the comics, you, unless it's like a like out, you know, out and out fight to the death type thing, you know, like there's no options left. Like, you know, Dread doesn't, you know, he's not ripping off someone's arm and feeding it to them or anything. <laughs> uh, there, there was even because multiverses are a are a are a big thing right now. Uh, they did their own kind of like into the Dreadverse thing uh, last Christmas. Uh, where uh, comic dread meets Carl Urban dread and uh, Sly Stallone dread, and uh, both Sly and comic dread are kind of a little like unnerved with how uh, brutal uh, Carl Urban dread can be with his executions. <laughs> uh, it really is the new hotness anywhere that multiverse stuff. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, works great for Spider Man. Absolutely. Um. So Mama is growing ever more frustrated, and for that matter, so is Dread as he none too gently shoves Kay into a nearby schoolhouse room and proceeds to beat the ever-loving fuck out of him in retribution for the entire quadrant of innocent civilians that Mama has casually mowed down trying to get just two judges. Um, this is where we see yeah, Dread is clearly written with a very specific berserk button, which is innocent blood being spilled. Uh, there is much more to this bust than he realizes, and he deduces that if Kay had been killed earlier in the raid, Mama would probably just let them leave. So Dredd starts demanding Kay's confession, getting only a defiant fuck you in reply. Interrogation by violence? 
that tracks. But also, <laughs> Carl Urban seems to be summoning his inner Christian Bale interrogation voice for this one, and I can't unhear it. Yeah, I, I haven't watched notes. any of the Christian Bale Batmans, but I was thinking that it sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Anderson steps in after a moment because uh, if he, if she handles the interrogation, then the suspect doesn't have to speak at all. Uh, we have some fun as Anderson takes Kay into his mindscape and she taunts him a little about his expectations. Uh, it's very vacant in here. Yep. Um, we're in my head. I could do what I like. And uh, Kay tries imagining shooting Anderson with her own gun, which doesn't work. And then he taunts her some more with those sexual proclivities that he teased her with earlier. Anderson proves that she's a little bit more adept in this uh, area than he is uh, because she substitutes herself with mama on the sexual encounter with everything that implies and ends up diving even deeper. An act of mental invasiveness so disturbing that Kay actually wets himself out of distress. Yeah, I mean, when you're on the ice fortress level, you really have to be careful both mentally and physically, because if you go down any further, you're stuck in purgatory and you have to wait for Leo to come rescue you. (laughs) (laughs) So we saw that he pisses himself and I couldn't tell if it was piss because it kind of looked green to me and I thought oh she made him ooze green slime or maybe his piss was green and then he needs That's to go to the worse. medical center and get an STI testing after all of this but either way he did get his dick bit it off in that in that vision I think uh I think the piss in that scene is CG I don't I don't I, I I'm pretty sure it is. That's yeah, why it's not it's not soaking his pant leg. Yeah, it, it it looks very off. And I don't think I, I can't imagine them telling Wood Harris like, hey, piss yourself right now. So. The, I don't know. It's a kinda... 3D effect. Did it pop out? At you? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. This movie really needs us some 3DP. That, that's a that's Eps, ab- in the minds. In the, if it's good enough for Vince McMahon, it's good enough for you, I, I sat in the theater thinking to myself, uh, it, if it doesn't have the 3D piss, I'm, I want my money back. <laughs> so with all this done, uh, Anderson then turns back to dread with all the vital information. Peach Trees is ground zero for the production and distribution of all of the slow-mo in Mega City One. And Mama's coordinating everything from her base at the top of the block. Dread's only reply? Interesting. He is a man of few words. Yep, and mostly actions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Downstairs, two more judges buzz in responding to Dred's 1024. This is uh, Judge Judge Guthrie, who is uh, actually from the comics. And in the comics, he's actually an undercover judge usually. And uh, Judge Volt, who is loosely based off judge giant who is also a uh, another big hulking black man of a judge <laughs> so it's, it's volt is the one who's taking the lead here yes he's the you know the one okay who's, yeah yeah my god that man has a delicious voice he does um techie answers the calm while mama hovers behind him casually stroking his stomach with a wicked curved knife Oof. Uh, techie bluffs that with the fire on level 76 they've lost control of the building and he can't open the doors uh, the judge warns him that if he doesn't get control he'll be slapped with an obstruction of justice charge and sent to the iso cubes but the matter's put on hold long enough for mama's satisfaction and she leaves techie to collapse sobbing against his desk i would also be sobbing mm. after any encounter with mama yeah yeah especially if you know your dick ain't safe from being bited <laughs> you're a dick if you're lucky yeah. uh, back in the schoolroom, dread is consulting with anderson about their options they have some new intel about mama and they've managed to communicate with control anderson picks two 
keep moving or find some place to fortify and defend, which is pretty much their same modus operandi this whole movie. Dread offers a third option. Why not go on the attack? After all, Mama is guilty and they're judges. Anderson asks if it would be better to wait until the odds are more in their favor and just get silence in reply. <laughs> Wrong answer. You're the psychic. <laughs> uh, Anderson goes over to grab Kay and the two of them head back into the corridor. Uh, down the hallway, we see two kids stalking the judges, both with pistols in hand and obviously scared out of their minds. And they're like arguing like siblings about who will be the one to do it. <laughs> Why don't you shoot them? Uh, Dread stops at a nearby info terminal near the level's elevator and checks the building schematics for some more information. And the two kids step up, guns drawn, but Dread isn't impressed. One of the kids says freeze and Dredd's response is just why. That was, that was a LOL moment for me in a first... not big LOL movie. Yeah, that was the first moment of dialogue I genuinely enjoyed. <laughs> What's it going to be, kids? Body bags or juve cubes makes no difference to me. Evidently it does, because um, after a moment, Dredd gets his own gun out, gun out leveled at the kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and no one notices Kay slipping his handcuffs until he grabs Anderson and drags her back into the elevator cab. Dread dives to one side and hits the kids with stun rounds, which are essentially taser bullets. But he can't get to Anderson in time. And we see the car slowly go all the way up to level 200. And Kay just tells Anderson, you are so fucked. Again, worst first day of work yep. ever. And those uh, <laughs> one in five odds are they're looking pretty right on. Yeah. I'll be the one to say it. Why didn't she see it coming? Like, does she have to very intentionally focus her power on people to read them? Like, we don't really get a broad expansion. Exp- a broad you actually are correct. Yeah, you are correct. Like, she has to kind of focus. It's even like that in the comics, usually, uh, though, depending on the writer, of course, because that's comics for you. So, <laughs> yeah. OK. All right. I'm satisfied. <laughs> Uh, Anderson gets shoved around through a crowd of the Mama clan soldiers as Kay celebrates his freedom, but Mama herself is there and warns him he's not going to do anything to Anderson. Her accent only slightly slips out. Yeah. Her hard R's are pretty good. Uh, in her opinion, the whole situation in Peach Trees is because he didn't go down swinging when the judges raided the opium den, and she's lost far too many men to make an example of Kay herself. Uh, she says the working theory for the whole night is going to be just a drug bust that went bad. So no freaky shit like raping or mutilating Anderson. They're just going to shoot her and be done with it. But before she can give the order, Techie appears. Dread is patched into one of the terminals and takes control of the PA system himself. Techie says he can shut it all down, but if the channel is open, he can also trace where Dread is. And Dread gives the block his own speech in response to Mama's earlier tirade. In peach trees, Mama is not the law. He is the law. Law! <laughs> <laughs> Glorious ham and cheese. Uh, Techie triangulates Dread's location, and a squad of clan soldiers is dispatched to take care of him. Uh, level 190, which is just outside of a movie theater. This includes the fan favorite, the Pantene Thug. Yes. Oh, my so, God. So this guy just dropped into this movie on his way to a starring role in an Herbal Essence commercial. Absolutely. I, I, I had to do a double take of what? What am I watching? 
Yeah, I thought it was a bad wig commercial because it's so shiny and that hairline is <laughs> fucked. Apparently, they don't have lace fronts in the future anymore. Yeah, I remember seeing I remember seeing that that shot in the 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 theater and just remembering just how silky smooth his hair looks and it looking so out of place. Uh-huh. And again, fans since then have dubbed him the Pantene Thug. <laughs> so much. I love it. Uh, the gags surround the terminal and open fire, but it's a decoy. Dread is actually a level above them, and he opens fire himself. Incendiary, which is a white phosphorus round that rains down on these poor fuckers. Yeah, the the body count of this movie just up and up and up. Well, it's like you, you, you want to cut this with like a, a shot of Hot Shots Part Two, bloodiest <laughs> movie ever. <laughs> yeah, but is is it really Willie Pete or did Jerry Dantana edit it to make it more interesting, a new story out of it? Bam, I worked a newsroom season two reference into this movie. Bite. <laughs> I didn't need that reason to bite you. <laughs> fun, fun, quick aside. Incendiary rounds are Hall of Justice issued, but it's a weird thing because like the, in the comics, they're technically not supposed to be used uh, like fired upon a crowd. <laughs> Um, and so kind of what dread does here is technically illegal, like even for, even for his crew, like, you know, so it's a great shot, you know, like the, the flames are reflecting off his visor. And again, you got, you got Paul Leonard Morgan's score with that, like that, like that loud high drone and everything. Uh, But yeah, this is, this is reflective mostly of what I've watched recently, but it reminds me of that. The, the, the white sheriff with the sunglasses from a brother, where art thou? Yeah. Who's this stand in from Satan for Satan himself? Yeah. The flames reflected in the visor and everything. It's like, you, you have pissed off the wrong man. Exactly. And again, it's a great shot, but like from comic Canon, what dread did is technically, you know, a, an offense that, you know, even the judges are not supposed to be doing, like they're not supposed to fire incendiary rounds upon a crowd of people, even if they are guilty. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's desperate. Yep. Uh, back on the, uh, yeah, mama watches everything through a monitor while dread just stands by and watches all the thugs cook. And uh, Kay wonders how the hell they're going to stop him. And mama just smirks and says, call nine one one. Uh, back on the city streets, we see a quartet of judges riding toward beech trees. Enter judges Lex, Chan, Alvarez, and Kaplan. Is it Chan? I, I read him as Champ. It's Chan. Chan. Okay, yeah. I'll change that. Yep. Uh, the four of them casually dismiss the other two judges on scene as the doors opened up right for them. And the score here is all weird, and it feels like this weird time signature of a beat and very unsettling, hinting to us that something isn't right with them. Exactly. Uh, now in the atrium, the four judges surmise about what happened, and they talk about Dread and Anderson as if they're already lying dead on the floor. Uh, the medic sees them come in and comes out to object. From the sound of the gunfire, at least one of the pair is still alive. I like that this medic just has all the tea. <laughs> well, for a moment, because when yeah, yeah, because when he's asked if he's willing to testify to all of that, the medic says yes and is promptly shot in the head. Yeah. So so not not very judge like i don't <laughs> think i i mean we're we're in the ajab territory instead of a cab we we started there yeah i guess that's true yeah with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we weren't there in the, like you said, are we entering AJAB territory? We weren't there in the first scene with execution by machine gun motorcycle. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I guess I've just been just caught up and I don't even know. A lot has been going on. I forgot yeah. the beginning of the movie. Look, the the moral here is don't have all the tea. <laughs> okay. yeah. or, or or yeah don't spill it all at once you're just, yeah. you're just gonna fuck up someone's shoes and they're gonna get pissed at you yeah, get shot in the head yeah so uh the corrupt judges take the lift up to level 200 and demand 1 million credits with endless options for renewal <laughs> <laughs> um because J- judge lex takes the leads here he knows dread's reputation he demands a million as for anderson she's confirmed to still be alive he just says make her dead um, I love that verbiage. <laughs> Make her bread. <laughs> Brown bread. Mm, ooh, that sounds lovely right now. Uh, meanwhile, Dread is still fighting his way through the upper floors, but his ammunition is running low. Okay, a movie with this much gunfire acknowledging an ammunition supply? That was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> we we don't get we don't really get this kind of good economy of firearms until the john wick series of movies let me tell you. <laughs> oh my god the amount of the amount of effort that keanu takes to count his brass in those films is exquisite um the corrupt judges all split up they attempt to flush him out uh dread meets up with one of them first uh judge chan uh they meet amiably at first i kind of like that there seems to be a standard procedure of judges greeting each other that they level their firearms at one another first and foremost yes how do you do and you <laughs> well met <laughs> Um, Chan says that his squad's responding to Dread's 1024, which makes Jed suspicious because two of them called in the 1024 and Chan only mentioned him. So Chan tries to call the alarm, but Dread steps in. The judges grapple for a bit, trade blows, and then Chan tries to choke Dread out with his forearm. In response, Dread shoots him in the foot and slams the butt of his pistol into Chan's throat, which collapses his windpipe. Mm. Choke on that. Yes. Okay, in a movie of a lot of violence. That particular bit of violence made me like curl up into a ball. Uh, Ty, I remember seeing this in a theater with you. This wasn't the 3D version, but I remember when it got to that blow, the entire theater went, oh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, that that was me. (laughs) You were sure they heard you. That was me. That was me. But yeah, there were two movies we saw in in sequence. One was this. The other was Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. where we just left the theater. It's like, I want to fight something. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Lex and his cohort arrived just in time to see Chan collapse with uh, unable to breathe. And dread is long gone. Batman style. <laughs> Ninja vanish. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere. Kay is now gloating over restrained and kneeling Anderson as he tests out his collection of sharp pointy things. He'd like to use on her. <laughs> Actually gives a couple of them a test thrust. Yeah. Um, he taunts her about her family and expresses some glee over getting to fondle her lawgiver pistol. He says, I always wanted one of these. Well, it turns out today's the day for her to die, so he asks if she has any last words. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love this moment. Also, she looks up. Funny, I was going to ask you that. Oh, fuck him up, Anderson. Yep. Uh, Kay pulls the trigger, but the gun doesn't go off. Instead, we see a flashing warning on the barrel that says ID fail. And then the gun explodes, taking off Kay's entire arm. And this is a textbook case of fucking around and finding out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is one of those things that was uh, telegraphed way at the beginning of the movie with Dredd's suit-up sequence. We see his ID check when he picks up his gun. Um, Kay sits there in shock for a few seconds, which is enough for Anderson to stand up. And she kicks him so hard in the face that she breaks his goddamn neck. Get Um, it, girl. Yeah. Now free, Anderson steps up to the two armed guards outside of her room and dispatches them with hand-to-hand techniques, taking their submachine gun to rearm herself. Oh, gratuitous violence sees your bet and raises you that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The female judge of the corrupt group, which I think is Judge Kaplan, uh, advises Mama to secure herself away while she deals with Anderson. She says, uh, I see her first, I shoot her. She sees me, she hesitates, then I shoot her. And this movie has passed the Bechdel test. (laughs) (laughs) We did it, kids. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Natalie, I love you. (laughs) Love you, too. Elsewhere, uh, Dredd manages to now find himself on the factory floor of the Slobo production line. We see dozens of people draped in hazmat suits and respirators, moving around barrels of chemicals and applying titrations with eyedroppers. He fires a shot in the air to scare everyone out of the room before he spots uh, Lex and Alvarez entering the room after them. Uh, The judges exchange some banter with each other. Dredd is clearly disgusted by their betrayal of the law. You betrayed the law! (laughs) Yep. Uh, Hey, I love it. I can't help it. I love that movie. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, Lex is a little bit more nihilistic about what Mega City 1 really is. He calls it a meat grinder. Uh, with how much gore we've seen, I wouldn't say nihilistic as much as accurate. <laughs> okay, fair. Also, uh, Rissa, you're not too far off with your whole, uh, you betrayed the law, you know, the back and forth between uh, Dredd and uh, his brother Rico, because Lex is supposed to be kind of like an XP of Rico, but oh. without being Rico. So cool. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not too far off with that. <laughs> uh, Alvarez gets a flanking position and opens fire. So Dredd retreats to cover, and with his ammo spent, he quickly goes through a list of all the possible alternates that might still be left in his uh, lawgiver. There's only one shot, Hayek's. I won't say the explosive round penetrates Alvarez's skull as much as it makes chunky salsa out of everything above the man's sternum. Oh, no. Chunky (laughs) salsa. Why, Brian? Why? Two-way split. (laughs) (laughs) He scores. (laughs) Um, It not only just blows up uh, the judge, it blows up a good chunk of the ceiling besides. Uh, Lex just has a a moment, motherfucker, but he realizes that this means Dred's out of bullets, and so he goes on the attack. And the music went very Hannah there, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Anderson is now moving through the level 200 corridors and by chance encounters Judge Kaplan. Um, She tells her, lower your gun, rookie, I'm your backup. And we see Anderson reach out psychically for a moment, but whatever she sees clues her in right away on Kaplan's motives because Anderson opens fire without a second thought and just moves on. (laughs) And and thank goodness for those powers, because I, I feel like what we've seen of Anderson so far, she probably would have hesitated if she encountered another judge, but didn't Mm -hmm. have her, her psychicness. God, those those corrupt judges both suck at their job 
and at sucking at their job. (laughs) (laughs) All for only a million credits, which I originally thought would be more than what a million dollars is right now. But Dredd seems insulted by the amount when he finds it out later. (laughs) I think he's just insulted that judges are, you know, corrupt at, 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 at all you know again you betrayed the law you know so you know. <laughs> i feel like any number would have made dread pissed off yeah yeah, yeah. True. he's a very angry man <laughs> <laughs> anger and control um i think yeah, it's it's also a great point of uh, just how much the corrupt judges are really underestimating their quarry yeah um because anderson has has leveled the fuck up at this point let lex lex of course being like oh we want a million because i know this guy's reputation but already he's down you know two judges that he knows of you know mm-hmm. and and then of course you know kaplan mm-hmm. is not aware of anderson's you know special abilities right. so they're completely dismissing the rookie is just a scared girl so like, she's, she's gonna show them so lex of course walks into mama all big dick swinging like i want a million credits because i know what the 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 stakes are and no he didn't <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but back in the firefight, Dredd is struggling to maintain his cover against Lex. So Lex just switches his gun to armor piercing mode and fires a line of bullets along the wall that Dredd's hiding behind. And uh, true to its name, the rounds blow clean through the wall. And eventually one goes clean through the wall, Dredd, both sides of his armored vest besides. Um, wounded, Dredd falls into a sitting position. But before Lex can finish him off, just says, wait. And this pisses Lex off. The legendary Judge Dredd apparently begging for his life that he can't help but start monologuing a little. Yeah, and he clearly hasn't watched enough movies because monologuing villains aren't long for this world. No. (laughs) The guy had to die. His voice had an inflection. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, Anderson reveals herself and fills him full of holes from behind. Wait for her to shoot you. (laughs) Uh, now with a breather for a moment, Dread applies as a, he calls it a basic field dressing to his wound. Uh, again, I love this because Dread's got gadgets. Oh yeah, um, it's like this this cauterizing gel and these self closing stitches. It, it it might be a little uh, you know not for the squeamish, but I just like how that that looks and uh, yeah. just how cool it looks and. You know, I, like I, I wish we had that tech. You know, it's it's a thing I've seen. Like in Halo, there's a there's a medical element called biofoam that kind of works that same way. Yeah, closes wounds. Like it's a, it's a standard it's a standard issue future thing that I love seeing every time I see it. It's very video game. Yeah, you know, you, you always you always get healing stuff in games that you're like, ah, oh, we don't have that, but it's really fucking cool, and I wish we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's giving me a medical nanobots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Dredd takes some of the spare clips from the fallen judges to reload his weapon. Uh, Anderson likewise reloads her scavenged firearm, and we get a nice callback to the opium den raid where he asks her if she's ready. You look ready. She's leveled up. Hell yeah. Yeah. He notices. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two judges move on now to the remaining doors on the level, and the first stop is Techie's control room, and the poor boy just shrieks in terror, uh, offers to help them with the code to Mama's sanctum if they don't kill him. Poor kid. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anderson steps up at this point because after taking the initiative with Kay, she could just take the code from his mind. And uh, she delves him and she sees his memories of being both emotionally and physically tormented by Mama, uh, including a scene that we only glimpsed earlier where Mama rips out his eyes with her thumbs so his cybernetics could be installed. Uh. Can someone go unalive, Mama, now? Oh, don't you worry. We'll yeah. take care of that. Yeah, oh, please. Yeah. In, in due time. 
And, and again, credit to, to Dual Gleason. Techie just sits there looking completely broken. And uh, Anderson at that moment just orders him to go, get out of the building, get out of here. Uh, Dread asks for an explanation since abetting a felon is not just a fail offense, it's a crime. But Anderson steps up. She shoots back. She's technically already failed the assessment for having her weapon taken away. But until the assessment is formally over, she is entitled to dispense justice as she sees fit. And from the evidence, she saw Techie was a victim, not a perp. And her her empathy and the fact that she stands behind what she thinks is is part of what makes her a badass. Not just that she can, you know, use a gun and kick ass. Mm-hmm. She, she's still a person so far, you know. And and this is the thing. Dread recognizes this. Like she, she shoots back. This is maybe the only difference that she does make in her entire judge career. But she's got the code to the sanctum. And so she moves on to finish the mission, even though there is nothing in it for her anymore. And all credit to Carl Urban at this morning, this moment, half his face is covered by a helmet. He is in partial silhouette and he still manages to look impressed at Anderson's entire justification. Carl Urban is Judge Dredd. Like if if there's any doubt to anyone who who went into this thinking, oh, where it's it's going to be another kind of goofy adaptation uh, with a actor who maybe ha- looks the part but can't exactly play the part. Uh, no, Carl Urban nailed it out of the park. And this is one of those moments where I've, I've seen it talked about on discussion forums where this is sort of like the secret test of character behind the actual formal assessment because mm-hmm. what dread is responding to in this moment is the fact that she's maintaining her passion her ideals while faced with the reality of what life as a judge is going to be like and is still going to go forward even though there's nothing in it for her other than justice for its own sake it's like this is why we get to the end of the movie and he gives her and he gives the grade he gives absolutely and I think part of it is because Dredd knows, especially if you've read the comics, like he never really had a choice in all this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think he's also kind of impressed that Anderson, like you just said, is still holding to her ideals of what she wants to do as a judge. And for anyone who is uh, worried about like, oh, she's still kind of a good person now, no worries in the comics. She maintains that optimism and everything. She has her moments where she almost gets broken, but she always rises above. Anderson's a great character, not just in this movie, but in the comics as well. Nice. Okay, I, I know it has nothing to do with this movie, but <laughs> the, we were watching it on Tubi, which has yep. ads and the same ads as Peacock, which I watch a lot. And there's the same commercial of that apartmentless song every fucking time and i want to destroy it yeah like why did they give the dog human teeth that's oh no that's more nightmare fuel than anything in this movie yeah i want the pube song back (laughs) well back to the movie at least um (laughs) from here on out there are only a few more mooks before the boss lady herself and we have some fun in this moment where we get to see Dredd and Anderson moving like a well-oiled tactical machine. Yeah. Hell yeah. They're checking corners, they're clearing angles, they're covering each other through doorways. And they're kind of they're kind of moving like in a realistic way to actual SWAT officers or military uh, fire team. So again, just complete coordination. They're in sync. Uh, it's a real badass moment that solidifies both of these two characters as a team now as they uh, lead their way up to Mama's bedroom. 
Mama holds up her hands as the two arrive and shows off a little blinking gadget that she's got attached to her forearm. And her one last mook manages to get a glancing shot off on Anderson's torso. So Mama explains the device for the benefit of the audience. It's a dead man switch that's synced to her heartbeat and wired to enough explosives to take out the top quarter of the building. Uh, she taunts him a little about it, but Dread is firm. Her sentence is death. He doesn't flinch at the sight of Lena Headey in a tank top, and that <laughs> makes him a better person than me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marissa would like to watch this alone, if you don't mind. Yep. <laughs> now that I'm officially Aunt Rissy, Aunt Rissy needs some time alone. <laughs> <laughs> so Mama just taunts Dread that he can't afford the risk of killing her outright, so instead he just shoots her in the stomach. <laughs> As you do. As you do, yep. Mama's just kind of sitting there bleeding out in shock about the whole thing, and he muses, what do you think the range is on that transmitter? After all, at 200 stories up, there are nearly a kilometer above ground with 200 floors of concrete and steel in between. So he hauls her up to her feet and doses her with slow-mo before reading her the charges and finally going, how do you plead? Silence. Defense noted. And all I can hear in my head is Arlo Guthrie saying it was a typical case of American blind justice. (laughs) (laughs) um, As cool as this scene is, and again, this is another scene I really like. It's another example of, uh, you know, he dropped. Damn it. Doesn't like me talking. (laughs) It likes you talking just fine. It's just every time you, you, you manipulate that wire a little bit. I've been, I, like try holding it in place and it just it, it'll just drop you know all right yeah I, there, you go. there you go sorry but uh another comic difference is comic dread would not give her the slow-mo first no. and then like it would just be straight up probably just bullet to the head and you know mo- moving on so <laughs> i think it's a it's a good sense of of carl allowing some subtle uh, I'm taking this personally moments to inf- infect the character. Cause yes. again, he's, he's reacting to the fact that Anderson just took a bullet. Oh, absolutely. And, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. Oh. I, I love it. I love it. But just giving those differences as like, don't expect the same kind of thing in the comics. If you ever try to go and read these at some point, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, he uh, hurls her out of the window. And just like those three poor souls at the beginning, we watch as Mama, high on her own product, falls 200 stories straight to the floor below. And I think this might be cinema's first ever second person point of view of someone falling headfirst onto the floor. <laughs> yeah, that was something. And I'm really glad we didn't get the full, like, squishy, crunchy skull crack type of fall. So thank you, movie. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely expecting more crunch in there. But we did get a little squish, but a little squish, and, and no also uh, and also a fun little bit of uh, artsy fartsy flare as uh, yeah. the, blood, the blood splatter mimics the uh, the visor of a judge's helmet. Yeah, <laughs> but we see the transmitter then start flashing red, and nothing happens. So Dredge just kind of nods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the slow mo music continues as uh, Dread helps Anderson dress her wound, and uh, the two of them descend down the block as the blast doors are finally opened up. Uh, Dredd says Anderson's assessment is now over and uh, she just says nothing but hands her badge over to Dredd and just walks away past some nearby paramedics. Uh, The chief herself is there along with a bunch of other Hall of Justice personnel to take care of the aftermath in response to Dredd's 1024. Uh, She asks him what happened in there and Dredd's a little nonchalant drug bust. Perps were uncooperative. (laughs) (laughs) 
But she asks for Dredd's judgment about Anderson, how'd she do? And he just says she's a pass. Even in the one moment of true development where there could be emotion, he doesn't even say it to the other character. Who needs a reaction in Stoicism the movie? (laughs) (laughs) That's like just like the saint of Stoicism in many ways. Yes, absolutely. The unflinching uh, non-face of justice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I want an old West version of Dread is like Marshall Dread. You know? <laughs> uh, there is a spinoff uh, in, the, in the, uh, in the uh, comics called Lawless, which Dread is not a part of that, but you do have judges on a planet that is very Western inspired. So, oh, dude, I, I need it. I need it in yeah. my veins. I'll send you. The, I'll send you the correct links and everything. So. Awesome, thank you. Um, so we end this movie much like we begin with Dread narrating the setting details of Mega City One. Only this time, it's Judge Anderson that we see suiting up and hitting the road to dispense some much-needed justice. Oh, wow. Okay, so I was probably because we watched this late last night, but I missed that, and I thought that she was handing him her badge and just walking away and not going to do it. So, yeah, I was off. <laughs> no, she Dredd says it directly to the chief. She passed. She passed. Cue, uh, cue Paul uh, Leonard Morgan score and just yeah right into the credits oh my god I just I want to I want to I, I have that soundtrack on CD I bought it like after I saw this movie in theaters the first time god, so I want to put that track on and drive into a wall you know what I'm talking about <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right So I guess that's the point where we talk about the large ham, which the over the top performance. The only thing I can think of is whoever edited the high scenes as it was by far the most unique and over the top thing about this movie. Yeah, (laughs) I liked the techie guy who was a pro at persuasion when he was hacking and it required a human to authorize whatever he was trying to do. Um, The effects people made a lot of stuff look like smushed ham. (laughs) (laughs) for for humans i'll give another vote to the techie Uh, my vote is split between uh dual gleason as clan techie just because again when he when he goes full whoopee it's just i want to envelop that that man in a hug and just Mm -hmm. never let go but my other favorite is uh, probably judge lex because how can you go wrong with with one step below literally a mustache twirling villain Uh, my vote is also for Lex because, again, he's an XB of Rico Dread, but without being Rico Dread. Uh, <laughs> but you, you get those moments like, you know, when when Dread blows off Alvarez's he- head and he's like, two way split. And Lex is like, yeah, I'd be breaking a sweat if you hadn't been already run out of bullets, you know, and just <laughs> he comes off again. He comes off big dick swinging, but even he doesn't know the situation he's in right now. So, but, but just that also that ending monologue where, where dread says, wait, and you can see him literally quivering, yeah. with, quivering with indignation. Judge dread, the judge dread <laughs> finds himself on the wrong end of a gun. And all he can say is wait, wait, wait for what? And it just, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I love judge Lex as hammy as he is. So, yes. you know. All right. So to wrap up, you know what I liked about the 90s movie? It was fun. <laughs> I painted a similarly bleak view of the future, but it had over-the-top acting and characters with reason to give a shit about them. I honestly feel like this was a reboot done for people who read the comics and wanted more characters to have Dark Knight-esque movies about them, and I understand that fits with the comic. I feel like it fit better 
in the context of its time, but after living in Minneapolis in 2020, law enforcement with unlimited power executing hundreds of people for drug use just doesn't classify as entertainment for me, especially when the protagonists are monotone killing machines. It's like a reverse Terminator. It looks cool. The soundtrack is phenomenal, but I need a reason to care about what's going on amidst those things to be invested. And personally, I just didn't have it. It does a great job of world building and immersing me into this future dystopia, but does nothing to make me give a shit about how it turns out or what happens to the people we know in it. We can have monotone, stoic people who stay that way, even in the most dire of situations. But in my opinion, it doesn't work when everyone is that way. The guns and druggy editing has more of a personality than anyone in this movie. I've seen this movie before and remembered literally nothing about it. Judge Dredd, for all its false faults and flaws, is endlessly quotable and memorable, even if for terrible reasons. But in this proverbial dystopian hellscape in which we already live, sometimes two guys screaming at each other about the law in over-the-top fashion is just what I need. <laughs> I can see most of the stuff in this movie by driving downtown in either Twin City right now. Hmm. This movie was a lot. But once I mostly shut off my filters of realism and shifted into the full gore mode, it was intense. But overall, I was having a good time watching it. How much of it has to do with how awesome the score was and that I was literally dancing to it when the movie was intense and terrifying. <laughs> who can say right on. it had like some it had very 80s synthy vibes but in a modern way which i'm very into i wish that we had learned more about the characters and i guess this was a snapshot day of the life worst first day ever format it wasn't incredibly important to learn about them and we learn a little bit but not a lot i was interested in learning more about the mutinism in this universe if it's discriminated against and all that but that would have all that would have got me more invested in Anderson, at least. But we do learn about her by her decisions that she makes and what she does with her powers, too. But but all we got of her besides that was a picture of her family that she stares at. And then the little exposition about her at the beginning. And I really did thought that the end of at the end of it, she walked away. But I don't know. I thought the maybe the psychic aspect of the job was too much for her and she couldn't handle it. But anyway, she's back out there i guess we can be glad and with with comic book movies i really like to keep an eye out for shots that truly capture a comic book panel feel and like bring it to the screen and this movie did not disappoint me with this especially with the slow-mo scenes it felt very comic because the colors were all super saturated and <laughs> there's just really cool artistic shots i don't know if i want to see this again because it was a little too much for me overall but I would play it as a video game, like it, the whole concept <laughs> oh, of it. Oh, yes. It would stand so well. And Riss and I will probably watch the 90s one at some point. As, and she was showing me some clips of that this morning for comparison so I could compare it. Um, even if it broke the law of dread taking his helmet <laughs> off. Sly has to get that FaceTime, you know. Anyway. In those few scenes, I was noting differences aside from the camp, like the goons were all specifically terrified of dread. But in this newer one, the goons were just referring to him as one of two judges that got in. So I was like, oh, hmm. And but Riss also told me the first movie or the or Judge Dread took place over a longer period of time. So there was more time to develop those sorts of things. And the the former 
establish itself like Credmore. And also, I would like to know that this movie made Riss crave Rob Schneider in his <laughs> comic relief. So no, that's where it's no. at for her. Hey, he's a good supporting actor. He really is. No, I, I like Rob Schneider, but I, I, I have again, I have my opinions on that 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 uh, '90s film. But moving on, uh. <laughs> uh, I have to ask Murph: If you ever get a chance to play the original Crackdown on Xbox 360, it might be up your alley. Okay. <laughs> there, there also is a Judge Dread game for uh, PS2, Xbox, and GameCube and PC actually uh, called uh, Judge Dread: Dread versus Death, which. Um, it's not it's not a phenomenal first person shooter by any means, but it's the <laughs> one that is the closest to what I'd say is the Judge Dread experience. Uh, you, you dropped off. You dropped off just before what I would say is the Judge Dread experience. Every time, every time, <laughs> every time in mid stride, in mid stride. Yeah. Oh. Uh, move on with. Uh, okay. With Nat- Natalie, you're good to go. So, so the movie didn't make me crave Rob Schneider, but um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm glad that the kids weren't home for this one because it was a lot. It was a hard, hard R like Brian, you promised and you delivered it. Yes, delivered. Um, but I think, I mean, it was a lot in, in a good way as a film, because I woke up this morning thinking about the visuals and the soundtrack and just the the world of this film and the world of this film is is terrifying because it's unfortunately something that doesn't feel too far off from what could happen or does happen you know all that so there's that and i completely understand where Riss and murph are coming from as residents of where you live in this time. So I had no background knowledge of Judge Dredd or or anything related to the comic or the world going into viewing the film. So everything was new to me and which is kind of fun, just going in completely cold to something like this that has all the the world and story and mythology around it. I really appreciated the character of Anderson just because she felt like a person. But like Murphy, I, I wanted to know more about her, about mutants and all that. So I guess that's both a credit to the film for making me feel invested, but it was also a bummer because it wasn't paid off, but understandably it was just one really bad day in her life. So (laughs) how much more exposition about her can you really get? So I'm not sure if this is a film that's going to get a repeat viewing anytime soon, but it's one that I'm really glad I watched because I likely wouldn't have chosen it for myself when, you know, browsing the, the streaming services. So I'm glad glad you chose it, Brian, and I enjoyed watching it. So I kind of want to open up my final thoughts and a little bit more of a dialogue tie with you, uh, as technology permitting. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I feel like I, I want to. I, I'm not going to crap on anyone's opinion of the of the movie that they saw. That's fair and and foremost. My reading of this as a film is always in terms of comparison to comparison to the '94 film as well as comparison to the source and i feel like this movie is a great example of what you can do with an adaptation if you actually ignore a lot of the source material in the sense that i think if i remember reading right the 94 movie was supposedly based on like three or four individual storylines from the comic book kind of smushed together yes okay okay um my favorite thing about this movie as is how it works it it, it does take for granted that judge dread has enough 
uh, cultural cachet through pop culture osmosis that they don't have to waste a lot of time explaining things beyond that opening monologue. Um, I do know that this film was supposed to be one of a potential franchise. Supposedly Garland wanted to do at least a trilogy. Yes. Yeah. So what they, what they did was actually a, a really brilliant setup in my thought of let's, let's take away all of the expectations. Let's take away all of the complications that require us to introduce and then pay off so much stuff. What they were trying to do from what I've read in interviews is make Mega City one as much of a character as anybody else in the film and really give you a sense of how much of a crap sack it is. Mm. But realizing also that within the greater scope of the world, it could be a lot worse. Um, and I really feel like the, the brilliance of this movie comes down to the use of the uh uh, on-site exam as a framing device. I think it's a brilliant way to deliver exposition, like dry exposition, but still make it work in universe. And also the fact that it does the, but for me, it was Tuesday to the protagonist. Yeah. Mm. This is not, this is not the, the glorious battle for the soul of mega city one. This is no. not the, the last uh, honoring of a, of a, of a mentor and father figure. This is literally just a day in the life of judge dread. Absolutely. And it just the, the nonchalance with which he sums up the events at the end. What, what, what happened in there? A drug bust. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, there are definitely smaller uh, stories within the comics that kind of do a similar uh, vibe where it's mm -hmm. not, it's not a major arc or anything like that. It's just, you know, Hey, uh, this is just, you know, one of the many, many things that happens to dread on a daily basis or so on. So that's kind of what this movie is kind of definitely somewhat establishing. So I think there was also a culture shock compared to the 94 movie, because if I remember right in the timeline, there's about a 200 years difference from when the 94 movie is set compared to when this movie is set. And they actually show some dates uh, in the files, like with 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 Mama's background file. I believe so. Born in like 2030 or something like that. Yeah. So in um in the comics, they actually age in real time. Uh, Dread. Th those comics are over forty years old. Dread is in his seventies right now. Oh in the shit. Comics. Mm. Um, by the time by the time Anderson enters the comics, the comic was already I want to think a good five, maybe almost six years in. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely trying to establish something because even Anderson wasn't in the Stallone film. It was her, oh. Hershey was the female lead. Yeah. Uh, um, and, but Hershey was already kind of established before Anderson even showed up as well in the comics. So, um, you know, it, it, it could be definitely a timeline difference. It definitely a tonal difference for sure. Uh, you know, it, it seems like we're, uh, it seems like we're reaching the, the problem though of, and this is unfortunate that the movies are kind of made and sold in this way, that this was intended to be the first of a trilogy and mm -hmm. so much is left hanging because those sequels have not been made. Yeah. Um, what else came out that weekend? There was some, the raid was its big competitor and well, that... well, but raid did not come out the same weekend. Uh, oh, it did. No, it did not. It, they came okay. out, it, they came out in a short succession of time from That's each it. other. Okay. Um, but no, Dread came out the same weekend of like some lazy PG-13 teen horror type thing that obviously everyone wanted to take their girlfriends or significant other to. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, that's why it did not get the money. It, it got great reviews. You know, I remember uh, 
it, it got glowing reviews from most outlets, you know, uh, at the time, um, especially with a lot of people that the Stallone film still fresh in the minds of both fans and, you know, critics, uh, <laughs> who have been alive uh, enough to even remember it. But, uh, that was definitely uh, a big thing was it just did not make its money back. It made its money back in uh, home video sales. Mm. But uh, Adi Shankar, who was one of the producers of this, if you don't know who Adi Shankar is, he's also, he produced uh, like the bootleg universe stuff you see on YouTube. Uh, he was one of the main producers of the Castlevania anime on Netflix. Oh shit. Okay. Um, he's kind of known as like the edgy punk <laughs> not hollywood established producer and he like he like he always wears like the eye makeup and everything but uh he uh he used to you know talk with the fans and you know everyone's like oh well you know home video sales made its money back so where's dread 2 and he had to explain to everyone uh investors do not care about home video sales nope. that's only for television um so because the movie did not make back its box office uh money uh, that's why we still to this day don't have a sequel, even though everyone's been clamoring for one, even because Carl Urban wants to do one, even for a time there before Alex Garland really had his directing career take off with movies like I think Annihilation is one he did. I believe uh, so. And uh, uh, Ex Machina. Yes. Yes. Uh, he also did Men, which I saw earlier this year, which that, that movie's a trip if you ever see it. I, <laughs> I, whether it's a good or bad trip, I, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but uh, he, I know he wanted, yeah, he wanted to do a trilogy. And uh, I think if they had gotten the chance to do so, uh, the second film would have been uh, based off the Cursed Earth saga, where Dread actually goes out into the irradiated wastelands surrounding Mega City One. Um, and then, of course, the big finale would have been the Dark Judges saga with Judge, yeah. Judge Death, Judge Fire, Judge Mortis, Judge um, Fear. You know, uh, luckily. Yeah. And you want to talk about like you want to talk about bringing some camp kind of back into this franchise. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can get any campier than a literal group of undead judges from a necrotic alternate universe who've decreed that life itself is a crime. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, the, I'm into that. The, uh, the the real crime is life. The punishment is death, as uh, Judge Death says. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, luckily, though, uh, and especially for anyone who's interested. Um, you know, 2080, of course, they were not, uh, they, they didn't sleep on the success of this film. And they actually did a, a bunch of prequel and sequel comics uh, to uh, this movie. And they're all fantastic. They, you know, they're all usually kind of tonally in sync, but with a little bit of silliness because it's 2080. They got to do a little bit of that. Yeah. So I, I know explicitly of two of them. There's, there's one that sort of follows uh, Clan Techie as he kind of takes the uh, Anderson letting him go and uses it to start turning his life around. He, he tries to turn he his life to. around. Yeah. He exactly succeed, but he tries. Um, and then of course uh, the, the, the final one of course was final judgment, which was their take on, okay. Uh, dark judges in the dread universe. And uh, it, yeah, like even in the more grounded realism of the dread universe of the Carl urban, you know, film uh, you still can't really do dark judges without it being a little bit kind of sci-fi a little bit kind of silliness to it it's, you know? it's ridiculous on its face and I, that's exactly kind of what I love about it and the other comic i know is uh, anderson now taking to the streets as a fully graduated judge yes and it's 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 great they're all good um like mama even has her own prequel comic you know about that's right i didn't you know, know so uh you do get uh um i i can't remember it's been a while since i've read them but i, I i'm pretty sure there's an allusion of to her uh her uh you know, uh, castrating of her former <laughs> pimp in there. Uh, so yeah, be, uh, be aware of that. Uh, 
but uh and at the end of the day it is a shame i love this film this is one of my you know obviously i'm here of course you know (laughs) uh uh, this is one of my three favorite films of all time uh just because um i've been a judge dread fan since i was a kid and yes the the stallone film did stoke the fires of that i'm not gonna lie but as i got older and and got into the comics more and started to realize oh that that stallone film was not really on the mark It, it it was very it it was very um source respectful in terms of like the costume design and mm-hmm. just the overall kind of like you know s- satirical silliness of mega city 1 but as dread as a character in there and yeah he is a character in there we'll I'll give him that but you know you you don't take the helmet off i'm sorry <laughs> sorry sorry babe the helmet stays on during sex you know um <laughs> um, um yeah but uh I, I seeing this film when it came out we lost you at a it's almost like vindication all right <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry ty modern technology if, if, if you ever have me come back in the future uh, I'll, I'll use the crap you want on the we'll, we'll hope can there you hear you okay if you ever have me back in the future hopefully we'll have a, a better setup for this uh <laughs> this is my first time doing a podcast so. i'll get a i'll get a i'll get a splitter for my ear for my headphones you can sit at the desk with me and use my mic but like I said, it, it felt like vindication, you know, yeah. because years, you know, Nostalgia Critic did his famous review of that Stallone film. And every time I would mention, oh, I'm, I'm a fan of the Judge Dredd comics. Oh, oh law. And it's yeah. just like it, it, it it's funny, but it gets annoying after a while. You sure. know, I think if I have to give this this film, one of the reasons it, it sticks with me so often is because it reminds me of another very pivotal action film from an earlier time. And it's remarkable to me that it made the formula work again. It's die hard again. It is two characters in a skyscraper who were in the wrong place at the right time. Shit goes down. They clean it up and, again. They made it work again. And Lena Headley is Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, I think where I'm going to leave that then. Uh, obviously my final thoughts are, you know, again, I'm here, uh, so I'm biased. Um, I and I understand, you know, because uh, you know, uh, Rissa mentioned, of course, uh, that uh, she lived through, the, you know, the yeah the, the riots and such, and I and I can understand that. So I I have no no uh, hard feelings on that and everything. Um, again, this movie just felt like vindication. I love it so much. I have every prequel comic to it. I have the hardcover, limited to only 500 copies, uh, visual script to this movie that was done by uh uk comic artist jock who did the the storyboards for this but as a comic book uh, signed by him oh it's rare it's probably the (laughs) most expensive book i own um uh i have the soundtrack of because it it, i mean how could you not um (laughs) and you know uh just everything in between uh i heck i bought the the best buy exclusive like steel book they released last year um you know with amazing art i love this film um you know it it's uh yeah it's it's violent and you know but i i do agree with i think it was uh, i think it was murph who brought it up like sometimes you just got to turn off your brain for this kind of entertainment you know and try not to think of the real world implications because i do agree there are times there are times where i'll see the news and i'm like oof uh mega city one isn't too far away um and you know, as, as as scary as the thought of, of as a thought of it is, uh, but uh, as someone who grew up with this this you know this comic and Judge Dredd is my favorite comic. It is my favorite comic series. Uh, this movie's just pure pure 
fun for me. Um, and yeah, it's a little gritty at times. It can be a little bit too gritty and monotone, like uh, we said earlier. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, it's just one of those fun movies where it's like, I want vis- I want visceral action, and I don't want to think too much. <laughs> and I just want to know that there is like a, a, a top tier adaptation of my favorite comic out there, and this is what that is. All right, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. As I know you had some technical difficulties there, but <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, uh, and thanks for being patient with me on that. So absolutely, and coming um, up, this next- was fun. Yeah, and absolutely. We're, we're very glad to have you, and you're welcome back anytime. Yeah, thank you. Coming up next is a movie nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be returning to my pick, and this will be a movie where I get to use one of my degrees, so I'm super happy about Ooh, that. Nice. What if I told you John Carpenter movie, but Alien comes to live with woman in the middle of Wisconsin? <laughs> I'm interested. I'm listening. What? This, this movie I know what it is. is a 1984 movie starring Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen, and it's called yep. Starman. And it is nothing like any other John Carpenter movie I've ever seen. <laughs> you, I, I, okay, Riss, you cannot see Ty's face right now, but he is literally sitting across the room from me. And you can hear, listen closely, you can hear the face he's making right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just... You explaining it, I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> I had, it's an alien romance too, which is my shit. And I was not expecting my wife to bring this movie to me because she usually rolls her eyes at my alien romance stuff. Well, the reason, and this is the reason I wanted to review it, is because this was given as the quintessential example of anthropology in film, which was the crossover of two of my fields of study because the alien character played by Jeff Bridges essentially acts as an anthropologist. And it's a great way to translate that experience. So I will be bringing some of my old notes from that class, which was one of my favorite classes at Penn. And I feel like that's the kind of class you can only take at a place like Penn where they have the money to have classes (laughs) like anthropology and film. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, it's going to be fun. Me too. So thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, especially once again, Ty, for joining us. And yeah, no problem. Thank you. We will see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.